Welcome to Long Covid Doctor, an educational series for sufferers of Long Covid. I'm Dr. Tim Robinson, formerly a GP for 30 years, now GP lead for three NHS Long Covid clinics, and also a GP clinical lead in Long Covid across the southwest of England. This episode is on POTS and Long Covid. In part one, I talk about the symptoms, the diagnosis, investigations, and causes. In part two, I will talk about the treatments, management, and outcomes. References, links, and resources are in the show notes below. As I've said before, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. So here we go, POTS and long COVID. So firstly, the context, the background. POTS, in my experience, certainly in the three long COVID clinics I work in, is quite common. And it has, it certainly has a significant impact on those patients. And so, first and foremost, What does POTS stand for? POTS is the abbreviation for Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. This is a relatively new term, certainly since I was at medical school, hadn't been invented when I was there. Um, POTS originally was first defined in in the early 90s, and then it was re-sort of relaunched, redefined um, by the Dysautonomia International um, Organization in 2012. So it's a newish, newish condition. It's been around for donkey's years, but it's got a new label since the early 90s. So what is POTS? Well, let's pick it apart in order to understand it further. POTS, so postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, Um, So postural, i.e. to do with position. Orthostatic means standing. Tachycardia means rapid heartbeat. Syndrome means a collection of symptoms. And so in other words, it's a rapid heartbeat when in the standing position, i.e. the heart rate accelerates to an abnormally high rate and is out of control when standing. To understand this further, we need to know a little bit more about heart rate. What controls it, what speeds it up, and what slows it down? And the answer to this is heart rate is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So let's get right back to basics. What is the autonomic nervous system? What does it do? Basically, the autonomic nervous system is the body's main control system that regulates bodily functions that are not under our conscious voluntary control. Those functions that we don't have to think about normally, um, that happen without us knowing. The autonomic nervous system is extremely complicated and complex. It's made up of five different parts. The sympathetic, the parasympathetic, the enteric, the HBA, and the limbic system. So I'll talk about each of them in turn. The sympathetic nervous system, we all know this one, the flight and fight 
system, the adrenaline system. Then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest, the vagal system. And then there's the enteric nervous system, the nervous system within the gastrointestinal tract. The HPA, I gave you the abbreviation, stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, brain and body for emotions and stress. And then there's the limbic system, which is pretty complex. There are lots of parts to it, but the three main parts relevant to this long COVID context is the hippocampus for memory and concentration, the amygdala for fear, emotion and stress, and the prefrontal cortex for executive functions like decision making. So that is what the autonomic nervous system is. But what does it do? Very important. What what does it control in the body? To answer that, let's think of all the systems in the body. So first of all, the cardiovascular system. The autonomic nervous system controls the heart rate, pulse and blood pressure. Uh, respiratory system. The autonomic nervous system controls the rate and depth of breathing. The balance system. Uh, the autonomic nervous system controls balance and coordination. The temperature control system. Thermoregulation. Autonomic nervous system controls the blood vessels under the skin. Um, basically, they open when you want to lose heat, and they close when you want to conserve heat. That's all under control of the autonomic nervous system. The gastrointestinal tract. Uh, autonomic nervous system controls enzyme secretion and gut motility, the movement, the muscular wall movement in the gut. And other systems in that that uh, are controlled by the autonomic nervous system, the thirst, bladder, bowel, eye reflex, sleep, all autonomic nervous system. So if, and it's fine when it all works, but if it doesn't, what happens? If it's disturbed or it's disrupted, the autonomic nervous system becomes dysfunctional. Dysfunctional autonomic nervous system, otherwise known as dysautonomia. Simple, really. The autonomic nervous system becomes dysfunctional due to the COVID causing all its damage, excessive inflammation, um, and that includes the sort of cytokine storm and MCAS and microclots and endotheliitis, inflammation of the blood vessels and, and small fiber neuropathy. Um, COVID also causes damage to the immune system with creation of autoantibodies to cells all over the body. But in this context, in the, in this pox talk, um, it basically causes damage to cells that control the heart rate. So the baroreceptors in the carotid body, the aortic arch and the sinoatrial node are there are autoantibodies to those cells. So therefore, if they t- attack those cells, those cells malfunction, those systems malfunction. 
And finally, there's sort of direct damage from the virus itself. So all these processes result in a whole swathe of POTS and dysautonomic symptoms across all the systems. But as this is a talk on POTS, I'll limit it to the long COVID effects of the cardiovascular system. If you want to know more about dysautonomia, I've got a separate presentation on dysautonomia. But for now, I'll focus on the effect um, on the cardiovascular system alone. And so, as I explained, the cardiovascular system, the heart rate and blood pressure are all controlled by the autonomic nervous system brainstem nuclei. Those are the collection of, of nerve cells in the heart of the primitive brain, um, right in the heart and the depths of the brain, the brain stem. Um, so those cells control the heart rate and pulse and blood pressure and nerve fibers from the central nervous system, other parts in the brain, but also from the peripheral nervous system, from the body, including the vagus nerve, all feed in to those brain stem nuclei. Um, and, you know, so they all come from, you know, the whole circulation, circulatory system, including the heart. And so in long COVID, those nuclei and those nerve fibers are affected by all the long COVID processes, the inflammation, the autoimmunity, the diet damage, which result in abnormal nerve control of the heart. In other words, it's not a heart problem. It's a nerve fiber, nerve tissue problem that presents with heart and cardiovascular malfunction symptoms and signs. So if you've got that, it's this, this whole process is not to do with it being an inherent heart problem. It's to do with the nerve fibers and tissues that serve the heart and the cardiovascular system. That is the problem. So what are the long COVID effects on the cardiovascular system? Well, first and foremost, palpitations. That's the subjective feeling of your heart thumping in your chest for no reason whilst you're resting, okay? Maybe while you're sleeping and you wake up with the heart racing. Um, we call this inappropriate sinus tachycardia. Or it may be palpitations upon standing from lying, okay? Not just briefly upon getting up. We all have that to a degree. Um, or certainly our heart races when we get up from lying to standing. Um, but that only lasts for, you know, a matter of seconds. But if, but if it's persisting for minutes or with prolonged standing, such as in the queue, whilst, and I had a patient the other day who said, I'm collecting my tablets when I'm standing in the queue and the chemist, I can feel my heart racing. We call this POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. That is being upright, that it's cool. Uh, the association of being upright and heart racing, tachycardia. There are other symptoms that would make me consider POTS. And certainly this is the case in the, in the long COVID clinics I work in. Um, 
these are symptoms that make me the symptoms that would make me suspect suspect pots in a patient are lightheadedness, unsteadiness, giddiness, faint feeling. The reason for this may be the other effects of the cardiovascular system with blood pressure control. Some patients have a lasting fall in blood pressure with prolonged standing. We call this orthostatic hypotension. I, it's a, it's a drop in blood pressure upon standing. This can coincide with parts, just to complicate them, complicate matters. Um, this is different from postural hypertension, which we typically saw in we see in gen, in in the elderly. I saw a lot, a lot of it in general practice, um, particularly on standing. But this only lasts for a, a few minutes, most at the most. So orthostatic hypotension may be present alone or alongside POTS or vice versa. POTS may be present present alone or with orthostatic hypotension. Other common symptoms associated with POTS. Some people experience feeling cold and clammy or other people have nausea and tinnitus, very dysautonomic type symptoms. Or some people might have chest tightness. That might be due to malfunction of the microcirculation um, feeding the heart. Obviously, chest tightness we take very seriously and we want to make sure that it's not a um, angina problem. It needs a proper formal investigation. But certainly chest tightness is just yet another associated symptom with POTS. Um, as well as all those many other dysautonomic symptoms that anyone can have across all those systems. So how do we diagnose POTS? That's the question. How do we diagnose it? Um, basically, increases and decreases in the heart rate are normal throughout the day uh, in normal individuals. And it's determined by activity and rest and motions and stress. POTS, however, is diagnosed when the increase in heart rate is excessive and persisting upon standing. Okay, so the question is, what level of heart rate increase qualifies someone as having POTS? Basically, POTS is formally diagnosed if the heart rate increase is of 30 beats per minute or more or over 120 beats per minute at 10 minutes standing from lying. Okay, so going from from the lying position, if the heart re rate increases by 30 beats per minute, minute or more at 10 minutes, that patient has POTS. Um, it's... You may think you may be asking, you know, why why is it set at thirty? Okay, um, it's set at that because actually it's quite arbitrary. Um, it was set at that level after a study that was done in the early nineties on a few patients with POTS, um, and the very few patients, and they uh, the the average increase in their pulse or heart rate went was thirty beats per minute. Okay, um, and then they named 
two standard deviations either side, that's a statistical term, um, to look at the span and um, of variability. And they named it as 30 beats per minute. So, But in reality, if the heart rate increases, um, does not reach 30 beats per minute, I'm not overly fussed by that particularly if the patient has symptoms which are highly suggestive of dysautonomia or POTS. If that's the case, I'll diagnose POTS if they don't meet the magic 30 beats per minute. If it's sort of 25, 26, 27, no, and they've got symptoms, they've got POTS. So in order to diagnose POTS, we need to measure um, this increase in heart rate. Um, And, you know, when the, when the patient goes from lying to, to standing up. So there are formal measure methods for doing this. The, the sort of the, the, if you like, the historical method of doing this is the tilt table test in which the patient lies flat on a table in the horizontal position. And then the table is then tilted up to 60 degrees from the horizontal. Pulse and blood pressure readings are taken every minute for 10 minutes. So this is a hospital test. Um, It's usually in a special clinic. There's limited availability for these tests. um, And the waiting lists are long. It's far easier and cheaper, more convenient to do tests, uh, either in the long COVID clinic or in, in general practice, in primary care. There are two validated tests to diagnose POTS. First is the Nasaline test, and the second is the active stand test. So the Nasaline test, NASA stands for, well, you guessed it, you know, space travel. Um, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. Um, why NASA? because they used to do these tests on the astronauts before they sent send them up to the moon. Um, the patient lies flat for three minutes. And their pulse and blood pressure was measured, is measured. Um, these are the baseline, baseline readings. Um, the patient is then asked to stand up, to lean against the wall, hence NASA lean test, with their feet 30 centimetres apart for stability and safety, so they don't topple over go wobbly and topple over, and apparently, you know, leaning against the wall deactivates the gluteal muscle contraction. It must be a NASA thing. Um, pulse and blood pressure readings are taken at 2, 5 and 10 minutes. Um, strictly speaking, it should be every one minute, um, but 2, 5 and 10 suffice. Um, you can use a pulse oximeter. Um, yes, of course, I mean, you could just put your fingers on the radial pulse, um, but a pulse oximeter is a bit more sciencey. Um, uh, and so, you know, the oxygen saturation monitor I'm talking about on the tip of the finger, and you get a readout of the pulse. Um, usually we see an uptick in the first minute, and when, when my team are telling me the results of a Nasaline test, um, they're always very concerned with the fact that the pulse has shot up. 
but that's normal it happens in all of us uh, but it settles, settles down that's a normal physiological response but basically in pots it doesn't settle down the pulse stays up and at 10 minutes it's still up the other test that is validated is called the 10 minute active stand test it's an actively standing test for 10 minutes same as the nasa test really but there's leaning against the wall is not specified um, this is the test that was recommended in the NICE guidelines for long COVID. Um, again, heart rate and blood pressure readings are taken every um, at two and five and ten minutes. Um, whichever test is performed, like I said, if the pulse increases by 30 beats per minute or more at 10 minutes standing, that patient has POTS i.e. they are POTS positive. So there we are. Um, that, that sort of concludes the first part of my talk on POTS with long COVID, the symptoms, diagnosis and investigations. Um, in the second part, I'll talk about the treatments, the management and the outcomes. I hope you found that helpful. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mentioned should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. So in the meantime, I wish you well. Uh, I wish you well in your long COVID recovery and see you in part two. All the best. Bye.